Hello, listeners. This is Brendan, and thanks for listening to The Collect Call. In this week's episode, you're going to hear a little bit of strange editing because we had a special guest, Derek Olson, and it turns out that, among other things, Derek is a responsible father, and during the show, well, his kids needed him. So uh, he dropped out of the episode early, but he did furnish us with a Twitter challenge answer and some other audio. We're going to try to drop them in to give you as much Derek Olson goodness as possible. I know it's going to sound a little weird, but we think you'll enjoy it anyway. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Call It Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 moment, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan Hale, and I'm also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. And somehow we did not manage to scare off our celebrity special guest, Derek Olson. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being back with us, Derek. Oh, thanks for being kind enough to let me on after the previous performance. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my name is Derek Olson. I'm a also a layperson. Uh, I, I attend St. Bartholomew's Church, Ten Hills here in Baltimore. Although, Derek, let's be honest. I mean, you're a layperson and all, but you're a yes. layperson who went to seminary. I, I like to think of myself as a layperson with benefits. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I did. I, I went. I got my MDiv uh, at Candler School of Theology, which is part of Emory University, and then did a, a Master's of Theology at Trinity um, Lutheran when I was Lutheran, uh, and then saw the light and Whee! went back down to Emory for my PhD. Wait, so how, how did you come to the Episcopal Church then? Well, it, it was a process rather than an event. I just sort of found myself moving in that direction, realizing that my spirituality was was moving in a slightly different direction from where the ELCA was going, and really recognizing that my home was was in the Psalms and in the sacraments, Mm. and that um, because of that, it really resonated more. The other piece of that was my best friend and I, uh, our third year, decided to work orientation uh, at seminary uh, so that we could obviously meet all the cute girls before anyone else did. Sure. (laughs) And, and in my case, it, it worked. Uh, <laughs> I, I met this uh, uh, cute Methodist student who was also drifting higher up the candle, as we say. Um, <laughs> and that, that became my wife, Meredith, uh, who is an Episcopal priest now. Um, and so we, we sort of moved together uh, into the Episcopal Church. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Well, this podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the collects in the Book of Common Prayer. Now, collect is kind of a funny-sounding word, but it's just another word for prayer, and it's spelled like collect, as in, you might collect Mary Kay fragrances for men, including true original for the man who follows his passion into life's next journey without forgetting what inspires him, domain for the man who values his career, but his family will always be his first priority. Or, or for IT specialists. Yes. <laughs> High intensity for the man who has a sense of sophistication surpassed only by his undeniable charm. And mm. tribute for the man who knows who he is and where he stands in the world and is comfortable in his own skin. But not comfortable enough to smell it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to see where tribute fits in there. I, I keep thinking hunger, hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, these are all available from your local Mary Kay representative. Oh, that's that's really lovely. <laughs> and it, and it's equally fitting this week because this week we are talking about the collect for the feast day of St. Mary the Virgin, which is coming up on August 15th, which is Saturday this year. And so uh, Mary, Mary Kay, obviously both revered in, in different ways. Uh, both named Mary, so there's that. <laughs> I get it. Well, yeah. yes. <laughs> both comfortable in their own skin, like the man who wears tribute. May the odds ever be in his favor. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it might be time to pray. I think I think it yep. has never yep. been a better time. <laughs> the collect for um, this week is on page 243 of the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you have taken to yourself the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of your Incarnate Son. Grant that we, who have been redeemed by his blood, may share with her the glory of your eternal kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I think probably worth pointing out that the Episcopal Church is observing the feast of St. Mary the Virgin, and it was added to the 1979 prayer book. It's the first time, I believe, that that feast showed up in the American prayer book. But we are observing this on the same day as the Roman Catholic Church is observing the, the feast of the Assumption. And Correct. because we are Episcopalians, we, we deal with the assumption more by alluding to it than by stating anything in particular about it. But there are hints of assumption happening in this prayer. It, it's also worth noting that this is referred to in the Eastern churches as the Dormition rather than the Assumption. And so there are two different things being suggested there, I think. Right. In doing a little bit of research for this, and, and you guys might know more about this than I do, but... But I guess the Orthodox Church calls it the Dormition because they believe that Mary actually died naturally and then her body was taken uh, from its tomb to heaven three days after her death. So Dormition literally means falling asleep. So mm -hmm. they would say, you know, she died in her sleep and then was taken back to heaven. Whereas the, the Roman Catholic theology believes that Mary was assumed into heaven while she was still alive. Right, although I was uh, doing a little bit of reading on the ever-reliable theological uh, source of Wikipedia, uh, which did indicate, I may be retracting this later, that the Catholic understanding of the assumption doesn't necessarily preclude the idea that Mary died a natural death. There's just ambiguity around that. Certainly a lot of the imagery uh, around the assumption would suggest that she did not, but think that option is available. Hmm. For my part, I'm just going to go on record as not really being on board with the assumption and feeling uh, perhaps a bit uncomfortable about the Dormition. I don't know. What do you guys think about it? I personally prefer the the Eastern Orthodox, the the Dormition in, in the, the falling asleep. Um, certainly the Blessed Virgin fell asleep uh, and died uh, a human death. What happened after that, I have no idea. 
and don't want to speculate. However, I do think it's fascinating that you can find all manner of relics from all sorts sorts of saints, biblical and otherwise. Uh, you know, toes, uh, fingernails, bones, ribs, whatever, scattered hither and yon throughout the entire Christendom, uh, both east and west. And I do not recall anything, any bone-type relics of the Blessed Virgin claimed anywhere. Hmm. You might hear things of like, you know, vials of milk or hair uh, or things Ew. like that. But, <laughs> indeed. Um, no one, no one claims to have any bones of Mary, which says to me at least that this was an idea, uh, a very strong idea from of great age. Yeah, yeah. Right. So th- th- this is of great antiquity. Which doesn't mean it's true or not. Uh, it just means it's from a long time ago. Right, right. The reason that I kind of resist the idea of the assumption or uh, and maybe dormition is tied up in kind of how I view this question of the Immaculate Conception, which is the mm-hmm. idea that, that Mary was born, I'm not sure I'm going to get this technically right, but, but roughly free of the stain of original sin. So not necessarily mm-hmm. that she was without sin, but that she wasn't going to you know, pass it on. Right. And I take a lot of inspiration in the idea that Mary was was a normal person, mm-hmm. like any of us. And yes, God did choose Mary, but I think it's inspiring to, to think that God chose a normal person, a sinner like any one of us, to bear his incarnation into the world. And so for me, Mary is a sign that any one of us can be a vessel for holiness. And I think if you take some ideas of in certain forms of Mariology too far, uh, then you really lose that. So when we observe the feast of St. Mary the Virgin at my church, we for some reason use this weird litany. I don't know where it comes from. It, it's, it seems to come from the 50s because it kind of uh, whines about sort of the evils of the world of today uh, and things like that. And, you know, it's, I don't know, it's mostly okay. But then there's this one section that really bothers me that says that only Mary's womb was pure enough to bear Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't hold to sort of the the classical doctrines of the immaculate conception of Mary which which is completely different from a virgin birth right no one's trying to say that Mary that, that it was a virgin birth it's it's that the conception was sinless and it, for me I feel this is a very torturous path that was sort of thought out as a way around some of the things that St. Augustine said that are based in Aristotelian and, and uh, Galenic biology. So here we're trying to sort of solve a problem that was created by how late antiquity thought that conception happened, which isn't true. Uh, you know, biologically, uh, they had it very wrong. Um, right. How, what did they think? Um, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on my uh, late antique gynecology. Uh, but it's the way that, if I remember right, it's something like um, Aristotle was of the opinion that um, women are, are basically deformed men. Um, uh-huh. and, and that the, the male seed had the majority of everything and it just sort of sat there. 
Uh, Galen thought that women contributed a little more to it, but it's 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 coming out of this stuff that we have some of the stuff about our understanding of original sin from from Augustine. You know, he was trying to use the very best science of his day. Right, right. It just turns out sure. that it was wrong. It was way wrong. Yeah, yeah. And so, I I think the Immaculate Conception, therefore, is is something that was thought up to solve a problem that didn't truly exist. Yeah. There are lots of things that get saw, thought up to solve problems that don't exist. Yeah. Both in and out of yeah. the church. <laughs> I, I will say one reason that I don't sort of out and out reject the door mission, although if we were having this conversation maybe five months ago, I would have, was that I went to Istanbul in March. There, there is uh, sort of on the outskirts of the old city, there's uh, this old Orthodox church uh, called uh, Kora Church. And it's quite small, but it has these really, really spectacular mosaics. And one of them, I didn't actually get to see it because it was under restoration, so I saw it in a postcard, of all things. But it's an image of the Dormition, and what's happening is you have Mary's body lying prone on earth, and at the same time, this is all being witnessed by this huge cloud of saints in heaven. And then Jesus is at the center receiving Mary's soul as an infant. And so he's holding his mother as an infant in his Wait, arms. Wait, so she's, she's a baby? She's a baby. Okay. It's, wow. it's a really tremendously moving image. Whatever my misgivings about the Dormition, God, I hope that's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I necessarily feel about the assumption i don't think i need to understand it much like the internet i can enjoy <laughs> it without understanding it and yet you know mary is so important in my own personal spirituality and theology you know as a woman she was it for us <laughs> for a long time <laughs> mm-hmm. even though she was you know had the holy womb and all and i don't think i have that but um, my kid is pretty cute, so um, <laughs> she, and especially after becoming a parent myself, I wouldn't say I'm a Marian necessarily. I don't understand the kind of ideas of, well, of praying to saints, Mary included. And yet, I, I can talk to Mary much easier than I can talk to God. Hmm. You know, a, a lot of the the stuff about Mary that we find, particularly in the medieval period, I think was one of the ways that they were able to have conversations about balancing the justice of God with the mercy of God. There's a story that uh, was floating around in in 10th century England. It's it's, uh, actually older than that. But it's the story of Jesus. Jesus is there at Judgment Day. He's, you know, throned as judge. He's separated his sheep and goats. Uh, and then Mary comes up to him and says, oh, but, you know, you, you, you can't. Yeah, these people are in the goat pile, but you can't ri- get, get rid of these people. Uh, and so she takes, you know, a, a big chunk of the pile out. Uh, and then St. Michael comes up and says, well, yeah, we know you've made the decision. But but these these guys, I really like these guys. So let's save them, too. And then Peter comes and says, well, you know, this section here, the, the yeah, they made some mistakes, but they're really good people. Um, and, and so he, he saves that section there. So that, that story, uh, even while it was reacted against, and, and there were certainly teachers who didn't like it, one of the things that that does, it shows us how the church in, in those stories 
said, yes, God, Jesus is a just judge. And yet, in the face of, of the justice, we also have the mercy and compassion um, that come from the intercession of the saints. Uh, and of course, Mary. Kings in, in medieval Europe would die if they trusted the wrong people. Uh, the one person you could always trust and listen to was your mother. <laughs> right. Right. And so whoever had the king's mother's ear, that was better than having the king's ear. Hmm. So we haven't talked about the collect yet. No, we sure haven't, have we? <laughs> Basically, it starts out by saying, God, you've you've taken to yourself the Blessed Virgin Mary, much like you said, Brendan, that's uh, leaving lots of room for interpretation on how exactly God did such a thing. Right. Grant that we who have been, been redeemed by his blood may share with her the glory of your eternal kingdom. What do we think about that? I had a theory that I don't think is correct. Maybe oh, I, I, I may need to go in a minute here, guys. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I need to go. Hang on. Um, okay, so I guess we'll keep going. Okay. Anyway, I, I had this theory that I don't think is correct, that the redeemed by his blood language was a uh, an insertion to make super clear that we're not trusting Mary to be our co-redemptrix, that Jesus is still the savior here. And while I do continue to think that that is probably the point uh, of why that is there uh, to emphasize uh, Jesus' saving power, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that it's right that this is there as that kind of anti-Catholic insertion. The the origins of this prayer are from the uh, 1972 South African prayer book, from which it's taken more or less verbatim. And then Derek had a note in that he wrote in the show notes, uh, referring back to the Annunciation Collect, which uh, has similar language about uh, redemption by the cross. And that uh, redemption language was also in the Gregorian sacramentary. So anyway, point being throughout uh, that it's Jesus who saves us, um, but, you know, Mary's a companion. When we look at the language of this collect for St. Mary, I see a lot of similarities here with the collect for the Annunciation. And the places where I see that the most, in the collect for Mary, we have the language of uh, we who have been redeemed by his blood, may share with her the glory of your eternal kingdom. In the Collect for the Annunciation, we've got, uh, may by his cross and passion be brought to the glory of his resurrection. So we've got a similar reminder uh, that we're dealing, whenever we're working with Mary, that Jesus is in the picture there too. Um, And so we're never talking solely about Mary, uh, but always looking through Mary towards Christ. Uh, And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind here. This collect, although I like it, I, I'm not. I don't have beef, like a beef with it or whatever. But, but it does kind of say, you know, well, Jesus did all the hard work. Yeah. And, and now Mary's just kind of chilling, so like, come sit next to her. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've got like this image of her like in a lounge chair next to a pool. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> She's got that, like, weird gold disc over her head, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I love the Renaissance. Yeah. (laughs) It's so cool. Well, do we have anything else that we want to say about this prayer? 
Not necessarily. I mean, you mentioned, Brendan, that your parish has a, a St. Mary celebration. I, I'm constantly fascinated by how many masses your church has. <laughs> <laughs> is is this a big, a big one or just kind of like the faithful, devoted? So I don't know if we're going to transfer it to Sunday this year. You're not technically allowed to do that, but um, the bishop might let us. Uh, but we do typically observe it on the day, and we do observe it with a um, with a song mass. Uh, so we'll... Uh, cat! Uh, so unlike, you know, unlike, say, you know, St. James Day the other week, where we just have a low mass for St. Mary the Virgin, we do have a, uh, a solemn high mass with the incense and organ and all that. Uh, but we might observe it on Sunday this year. I'm not sure yet. I haven't seen the calendar. Gotcha. Cool. Well, if you enjoy this show, please write a review for us on iTunes uh, and or share us with a friend. And you might also want to check out the other shows in the Via Media Collective, a network of podcasts with an Anglican sensibility. Find out more at viamediacollective.org or on Twitter at vmcollective. Does that mean it is time for the Twitter challenge? I believe it is. All right. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first because mine is really terrible. <laughs> I it really, really just bad. So, um, because I'm, I don't know why I'm lacking inspiration this week. I just am. Uh, I am too. I think it's just the week. I don't know why. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So here's mine. Mary rules. Hashtag St. Mary the Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> it's short. It's to the point. I like it. Yeah. Okay, here's mine. On this feast of St. Mary, who's your favorite not St. Mary? Mine's a three-way tie between Oliver, Poppins, and Jay Blige. Hashtag St. Mary. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Okay, you have made up for my shortcomings. (laughs) We compliment each other well. Yeah. All right, Uh, for the Twitter challenge, here is my tweet. Hail Mary, full of grace. Anyone who can handle God incarnate as a teenager has got to be the bomb. Hashtag BVM, hashtag the collect call. If you would like to tweet at us about uh, St. Mary or a non-St. Mary, you can find us on Twitter at the collect call, or you can email us at the collect call at axeightmoment.org. And you can find links to Mary Kay Colognes for Men, which I know you will be wanting to get for all your friends, <laughs> um, at Pinterest.com slash the call. And you can follow our parent organization, the Acts 8 Moment, at acts8moment.org, or on Facebook at Twitter at acts8moment. And even though uh, Derek had to um, abandon us for his children, God... Uh. <laughs> Kids. Yeah. Uh, you can find his uh, amazing blog at uh, saintbeadproductions.org.com. Hang on. Uh, saintbeadproductions.com. Yeah. And, and that's B-E-D-E. Right. And you can also find there a link to his Twitter handle, which we would pronounce for you, but we can't. We really can't. Whenever I first got to know Derek on Twitter, um, I, I would be like, hey, there's that Hulligurga guy. Yeah. <laughs> Derek is really much easier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Derek. 
Derek's. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. I mean, if Derek, if you want to make some music, we will put it on the show. Yeah. We're not going to hate on your music. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> join us. Oh, man, it's time to be done. Yeah. Uh, join us next week where we will hopefully be a little more inspired and we'll be talking about the college for St. Bartholomew. We'll see you then. Let our mortal flesh keep silence And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly-minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to demand I got my collections done, but not my tweet. Got my collections done, but not my tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Ha 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 ha